Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Mika Leah. Uh, welcome, Mika, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Leslie. I'm excited for today. Entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur Mika is a mother, a young heart disease survivor, and warrior for wellness. She is a national ambassador for the American Heart Association and a member of their board of directors. Mika survived five heart stents and four invasive heart procedures procedures before her 36th birthday. With a new lease on life and a calling to help others, Mika launched her corporate wellness company, Gumi Group. It has grown to 500 plus instructors across globally, offering on-site, virtual, and on-demand fitness and health programs for the workplace through movement and motivation. Mika believes that life should be lived with love and joy throughout the day, and she strives to provide health and happiness to others with affordable and accessible wellness programs. An inspiring public speaker, Mika's story has been featured on CNN, KTLA, Shape, and Women's Fitness, among others. Mika, would you share with our listeners a bit about your growing up? Yeah, I would love to. So I grew up, my mother was um, a clinical psychologist and my father was an engineer. And um, I think I grew up watching my mom have her own company, right? So she had her own clinic and running her office. They used to be her receptionist in the office. And um, I grew Went to UC Santa Barbara, graduated with a psychology degree, thinking I was going to follow in her footsteps, and then um, found myself in the world of advertising. So I had a, a long stint in advertising and marketing, and my whole world shifted really when it was three weeks after my 33rd birthday that I found myself being wheeled into emergency heart surgery. And that's really when my life turned upside down, and I had the huge epiphany that Life is short and we should all do what we love doing. And I knew that I loved helping others get healthy and happy. Um, and I do believe that health and happiness go hand in hand. So I started Gumi Group, a company to bring fitness and wellness into the workplace. Mm. Um, and tell me a little bit about um, when you started Gumi, what, did it feel like it was something within your reach or you were feeling overwhelmed kind of coming out of a traumatic heart um, condition? You know, I don't think I, yes, I guess the question <laughs> to answer your question is, <laughs> I thought it was within reach. Uh, I, coming out of that experience, I realized that I wanted to spend more time with my family. And at the time I was going through a divorce and I had two kids under the age of two. And I thought, you know what, money doesn't matter, but we just need enough to survive. So I uprooted my family from Los Angeles and I moved closer to my parents in Orange County. Um, 
And that I knew that I could make it work. I knew that I could make anything work. I had a background in sales and I had this underlining belief that if you work hard, you can make anything happen. And so I definitely had faith that I was going to make it work. And there was no two ways about it. Just the harder you work, <laughs> the more uh, the more success you have. Um, have you ever felt that you didn't fit in? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think I have thought I didn't fit in all my life. Um, I was that person who actually I fit in with every group, right? So I was friends with the jocks and I was friends with the drama nerds and I was friends with the, um, I don't know, the, the kids that were getting in trouble all the time. Uh, so I kind of fit in everywhere I went, but at the same time, I felt like I didn't have my tribe. And yeah, um, and I still, you know, I still suffer from imposter syndrome for sure. I think, you know, as every entrepreneur does, I just finished a book called Believe It by the woman that started It Cosmetics. And she mm -hmm. explains the same thing. You don't, you don't quite fit in and you, you're constantly have this imposter syndrome. Like I know I've made it, but it's still, it still doesn't feel like it sometimes. And why do you think it was okay to be able to toggle back and forth between all these groups? What was interesting and okay about that? You know, I, I took a personality test recently in the last year. And one of the things that the personality test came back with was I see people for who they are. Mm -hmm. um, I see each individual for the individuals that they are. And I think that that's what has allowed me to be a good salesperson and be a good business person is I've had clients where it just doesn't fit. And I will say to the client, I don't think we're the right solution for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I also make sure to take the time to to listen to people and and yeah, to just, I guess it goes back to seeing individuals for who they are and the different people for who they are and having an appreciation that everybody is their own person. And just because they're one group or another doesn't mean they're better or worse than anybody else. And do you think that this concept was on board since you were younger? Probably. My mom likes to say it's probably from her being a clinical psychologist uh, uh. And, and having her own family practice. Um, so I think that I probably get that appreciation and that acceptance of all people from, mm -hmm. from my mom, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Her being sort of an, not sort of, but an entrepreneur, did it yeah. impact your decision to become an entrepreneur yourself? No, I don't think so. I think it was, did it impact it in terms of, did it, did I think about it when I was making the decision? No. However, I think that there was something subconsciously knowing that I watched my mom grow up having her own company mm -hmm. um, that, that maybe made it not so taboo or not so foreign to me. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. She could do it. You could do it. Yeah, I guess so. I think I knew that subconsciously and I've always admired her and always looked up to her. So I think there is a, a huge part of that, that um, I saw her doing it. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for some people, being a single mom with two kids under the age of two would have been too much to balance while recovering from a serious heart surgery. How have you been able to have the grit you needed 
to match these challenges or major challenges? You know, I've been asked that recently um, in a few interviews, and it's funny. I actually create, you know, to kind of get through the bad days. I have created, I, at the time, for sure, I created a Pinterest board of all of these, you know, motivational sayings. And I would look at them every morning and every night. Um, several years ago, I don't even know how many now, but several years ago, I took up meditation and I mm -hmm. listened to morning mantras. Um, and I also educate myself. I think there's a huge part of that imposter syndrome that thinks that you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And for me, I could combat that I didn't have an MBA or I didn't have training in here or there by con continually, continually educating myself um, mm -hmm. and reading and pushing myself through. And, and so I, it's really nerdy, but I look at those educated, those motivational quotes on a regular basis. And I, I sometimes put them on sticky notes. I had... I heard Mindy Kaling speak several months ago and she said, why not me? What got her through to be like the only female writer of color mm. on the office. And she just kept telling herself, why not me? Mm -hmm. And I wrote that down on a sticky note that I had on my laptop until it fell off last week. But um, it's probably around here somewhere, but it's just, why not me? And I think mm -hmm. that telling myself that gets me through too. Um, in our pre-interview, you related to me that you were very much of a self-advocate during your entire medical um, heart condition difficulties. Is that part and parcel of what you're saying in terms of this, you know, I can, I can learn, I can do anything piece? I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, if we believe we can, and, and funny enough, this book that I just finished this morning was called Believe It. And, and she's... She talks a lot about believing you can. And I think that there's something that if you have a big enough belief that you can do it, that that's that grit, the grit to be able to advocate for yourself, the grit to be mm -hmm. able to start your own company, the grit to be able to push through the tough times. So I, I think you really have to have that belief and that knowing that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Mentors along the way, did you have any? I did not when I was growing up. Um, I probably did, but it wasn't until I got into my career that I had a few mentors. And then um, and then I got smart and I started asking people to mentor me and, and not in the way that um, there's always that doctor. I always think of it as that Dr. Seuss book, which uh, Sheryl Sandberg talks about, where she walks, you know, the, the chicken walks around and uh, is like, are you, or the bird walks around and it's like, are you my mother? Are you my mother? And it's almost the same concept with, are you my mentor? Are you my mentor? Uh, I, I always laugh at that one because I, I used to read that book to the kids all the time. And, um, it's not that way with mentorship. I don't think you meet somebody and you're like, are you my mentor? But mm -hmm. you meet somebody and you connect with somebody and they provide advice and they provide mentorship. And I think sometimes you can also turn around and, and give them advice too. So it's not, mentorship is never a one-way street. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I have found amazing, amazing mentors and there are too many to count um, along the way. Some of them I have added to my board of directors um, mm -hmm. and some of them are, are, are really great friends. I have a group of friends that I now have started my personal board of advisors mm -hmm. and 
Um, and that has been life-changing for me. Uh, several in women. Um, I think in the way that they, they are there to love you and support you, but also give you the hard advice. And mm -hmm. I think a board of advisors is more business-like. So my board of advisors treats it very much um, it's business, right? It's transactional. They're there to help me. They're there to help me succeed. They don't necessarily know about all the intricacies of my, my personality or, or my right. family or any of that. And so with my personal board of advisors, they're the ones who are advising me knowing my family relationships and knowing my background and knowing everything about me and my quirks and all of that. And so it's been nice to have a group of women and men, my husband's on my personal board of advisors. Mm -hmm. um, but it's nice to have people that can can give me the advice from a place of love too. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and put it all together in a package that feels manageable, coming from people that you know who love you as you are. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> with some people, you know, with my husband being on the personal board of advisors, I get advice every night because he's there every <laughs> night. But I have. <laughs> a group of friends that I make sure we have monthly calls and to get on their schedules. Cause they're, you know, uh, two of them have, you know, regular job, you know, corporate jobs, not regular jobs, but corporate jobs and, and high ranking in the companies. And so to get on their schedules is, is a challenge. So we have a regular monthly meeting. It's Saturday, mm -hmm. at, you know, it used to be at 7am, believe it or not on a Saturday, wow. but now it's 10am on a Saturday, but it is, it's amazing. We just had it this last Saturday and it's just this regular schedule. And it's amazing how fast the months go. Cause I feel as if sometimes when we're talking, I'm like, Oh my God, I just, I just talked to you, but they also keep me honest. And um, mm -hmm. I've so. never heard this before, but it, it's just such a smart and wonderful idea to bring on people close to you to kind of talk you through stuff. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's great. really smart. Yeah. And I, I posed it as that, as a, a personal board of advisors for them. And so I, I said to them, listen, I need you. And so they make sure on the calls to ask me, okay, like what's going on with the business? Like, is there anything we can do to help? Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Such a great idea. Um, you talked a little bit about your parents working all over the world and you having lived a year abroad and loved that. Um, do you think that these experiences have made you the person that you are in terms of the Gumi group? have anything to do with it? You know, that's a great question. I think that travel does change you. I think experiencing the world outside of your bubble um, definitely gives you a different perspective on the world. And so I grew up traveling down to Mexico into four remote, remote areas of Mexico. And, um, and I think I did, I had this sense of, okay, I am privileged, but I'm privileged to have these privileges and, it, um, mm -hmm. and then traveling to different, you know, my parents took us to Egypt and to, you know, to Europe and, and to all of these different places. And I think it, it did give me the idea that there's a whole world to be seen out there and there's a whole world to experience. And maybe at some level of that, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit earlier about self-doubt. Is has it changed since you founded your own company? I think it's changed recently in the last couple of years when the company started being successful. 
Um, I definitely, I definitely still struggle with self-doubt and it's nice to know, you know, finishing this book that she still struggles with the mm -hmm. same thing. I think all of us, I think everybody does, not just entrepreneurs, but especially entrepreneurs, you know, you have your days where you doubt yourself. Um, and, and I, I still think that I have a little bit of, of doubt, but what gets me through is you know, positive affirmations that I do, which is really, it sounds so cheesy. And it reminds me of that Saturday nights, um, Saturday night live skit, like I am enough, I am, you know, people love me, that kind of thing. But it's true. And, and the more that I work on those, the more that I practice meditation, the more that I practice self care, mm -hmm. the more that I'm able to overcome the self doubt and know that I am enough. And you know, I am loved and I am supported. And, you know, at the end of the day, life isn't about money. You can't take the money with you to the grave. So it's what have you learned and what impact have you made and, and who have you loved and who knows that you love them? And and to me, that's that's and, what it's about. And you're in the first part of your career. It was different. I mean, yeah, I, I should say it's more difficult or different. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, the first part of my life was always about money. It was about how much money I could make, how much money I could save, how much money I needed to travel to where I wanted to go. Um, it was always about promotions and making more money. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. It has significantly changed since my heart um, situation that I realized when I became a heart survivor was really when I came, when I realized that life is too short and money doesn't matter. Money's mm -hmm. great to get you through. And I, I do believe that money will come if you're following your passion and you're helping others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the self-doubt is less difficult in the sense that you're also in it largely for yourself and for your family to have a better quality of life, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, that, that makes the self-doubt uh, kind of dissipate a little bit is that if I'm doing it for the right reasons and I'm doing it for my purpose, then I don't doubt that I'm doing it. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt why I'm doing it. And that mm -hmm. pushes me through. In terms of the imposter syndrome, can you, you talked a little bit earlier, but can you share with our listeners a little bit about what you do when you get into those days where you just feel like you're not adequate enough? I will walk away <laughs> and um, I try to find things that I love doing. Usually it's a walk around the block, a walk around my complex, um, which is pretty big. So it takes me, you know, it's a, it's a fast 25 minute walk or a slow 35 minute walk. Um, I'll also just go lay down and give myself permission to go lay down on my bed and, and I love doing my meditations laying down, which there's no reason that you can't. So I will lay down and, and put on a meditation or I'll go sit outside and call a friend or, um, but usually I will go outside and, and get a breath of fresh air. And that's how I overcome the self-doubt or when I've had enough or it's too much, or I just think I can't, or I'm overwhelmed. So my answer is always meditation and a walk. As a entrepreneur, would you say that you're in, um, you're more, you're closer to who you really are and taking care of yourself in a way that you couldn't see part one of your career? I think I, I, I had always been, an, I had always been an athlete. Um, 
I'd always been an athlete, so it was about self-care, but I think it was self-care for selfish reasons to be skinny mm-hmm. or to to mm-hmm. do things. And and now I my self-care is to live a longer life, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that becomes the greater purpose. Um yeah. And and so that's where I think it's it's the shift is different. So I, I take care of myself now, whereas then it was a treat. And now it's not a treat, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why you started the Gumi group, I guess. Yeah, I I wanted something. Yeah, exactly. You know, I had never, I was working in an industry that gave us happy hours and gave us nights out or catered in dinners or whatever it was, but it didn't feel as if it was happy, like it was healthy necessarily. It was just to get you to work longer. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to create Gumi Group to alleviate the excuses that people have um, to make like our mission for Gumi Group is to make health and happiness both accessible and affordable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. really what it's about is that accessibility to health and wellness. So if the companies are paying for it, the employees are always getting it for free. And if it's free, I feel as if we're going to make a bigger difference because people are willing to take a chance on trying something new. And also, if it's your company telling you that we're putting this on for you and we're giving this to you, we're gifting it to you, we want you to take the time out of your day, then it's giving people that opportunity too. So there's a work culture that you've created around what you think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, our biggest biggest mission for Gumi Group is so that every company one day offers a health and wellness program mm-hmm. to their employees and that there's a lot of Gumi Groups out there that are all, mm-hmm. all able to provide something and that everybody's doing it and it just becomes the norm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's been the most satisfying um, experience to open your own company? I think the feedback that I get, uh, the feedback from the instructors telling us how awesome it was and how much they love being a part of it. Um, I also think that, you know, when we hear from clients that it was amazing or life changing, or we had one client that was going through a merger and they talked about how much they, um, that they were able to get the two companies together just by having them be in the same room for a yoga class or a meditation class or a cooking wow. demonstration. And they said, listen, it's not something we can quantify. I can't tell you, you know, that everybody's getting along because of this. But they said they've seen a shift because people were making new friendships in the office. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're hearing the same thing from our clients that are Um, when COVID hit to be able to do meditation classes or cooking demonstrations or um, educational seminars uh, that they were able to connect with their coworkers and connect with the outside world. And and just that, that to me makes it all worth it. And that is what I love is Mm. just that everybody that works for Gumi loves it. Everybody that works with us loves it. And everybody that, experiences it. We get a lot of emails from people who have taken the class and just saying, that was amazing. And it was lovely. And I love that instructor or this Mm -hmm. instructor. And can we have him back? And can you tell my company that we want more of this? Mm -hmm. You know, so Mm -hmm. that's what pushes me through. Also on the days that I have self-doubt, I'll go back and read those letters. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, 
Uh, we're at our last question. And I wanted to ask you, how has your upbringing made it harder or easier to master a mindset for success? I think my background has made it easier, the mindset easier for success. I had a mother that showed me she could do anything, that she had this amazing story that when she was in high school, um, they hadn't quite diagnosed that she was dyslexic, but they knew she had issues. And she had a teacher that told her to quit, that she was going to fail anyway, and she was never going to become anything, and that she should just quit school and drop out. And that was, I think, sophomore year in high school. Mm -hmm. And my mother went on to get her PhD in psychology. And so... Wow. You know, to me, that was pushing through. My dad didn't speak. I mean, he spoke English, and I'm sure he spoke it well enough. Um, but to come to a different, both my parents came to a different country and started a new life from scratch mm -hmm. um, after surviving a war. You know, my dad fought in the um, in the six day either the six day war, or the Yom Kippur war. I can't remember, but you know, I had. My parents were fighters, and mm -hmm. and that taught me that it was possible. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your time, and I wanted you to share with our listeners how they can find more about you and the Gumi Group. Yes, absolutely. So um, people can find Gumi Group at gumigroup.com. So it's G as in George, O-O, M as in Mary, I as in Igloo, and then G-R-O-U-P.com. They can follow us on Instagram at gumi.group.com. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just on Instagram, gumi.group. And then if they're interested in my uh, Instagram, it's just mika.lea. And yeah. I would love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. This has been fabulous. Thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. Have a great rest of the day. You too. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.